Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi such an amazing place to live work and play. Uh, if you're listening on 103.1 Super Talk Gulf Coast, we really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, some of you may be listening on Facebook Live or YouTube Live, or maybe listening later uh, on YouTube or Facebook or your favorite podcast. However you choose to pay attention to this, to this show, we appreciate you listening and uh, hope you're enjoying the celebrations that we are involved in every single day. I want to start with a quote that's going to bring me back to Hurricane Katrina, and this is sort of a good lead-in for our first guest today. The quote is this, if we don't care about our past, we cannot hope for the future. I care desperately about saving old buildings. And actually, that was Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. It's pretty interesting that that's always been part of the conversation in America. Um, one of the tragedies of Hurricane Katrina was that it wiped away so much of our history. And uh, as, a, as a member of the Governor's Commission on Recovery, Rebuilding, and Renewal, I was a vice chairman of the effort. Uh, tourism fit under the area that I was responsible for developing a plan for recovery for, the, for, that, for that commission. I had the opportunity to work closely with Andreas Duani. Andreas was, uh, was hired by the governor and our commission to come in and lead what we call charrettes, which are essentially a, a, a pretty structured uh, brainstorming session that, that involved all the coast communities simultaneously. It's really one of the largest uh, charrettes ever attempted in the, in the history of architecture. And we had architects and planners that came in here from all over the world. We had actually two people from the Prince of Wales Foundation that joined us. Uh, Andreas is, uh, is a famed architect and planner who wrote the book on new urbanism. He was an instructor at the University of Miami. He's very successful, does work all over the world. And we were fortunate to have him here. And uh, to give you a sense of the way he thought about things, uh, here, here are just a couple of quotes that I want to share with you. Uh, the first one is this. The problem is that one cannot easily build Charleston anymore because it is against the law. Similarly, Boston's Beacon Hill, Nantucket, Santa Fe, Carmel, all of these well-known places, many of which have become tourist uh, destinations, exist in direct violation of current zoning ordinances. I found that's pretty pretty interesting. Um, here's another one from Andreas. Even the classic American Main Street with its mixed-use buildings uh, right up against the sidewalk is now illegal in most municipalities. Somewhere along the way, through a series of small and well-intentioned steps, traditional towns became a crime in America. He always had a, a terrific way with words. Uh, and one last one from Andreas. There is currently more sprawl covering American soil than was ever intended by its inventors. While there are some people who truly enjoy living in this environment, there are many others who would, uh, who would prefer to walk to school, bicycle to work, or simply spend less time in their car. And, and again, that's Andreas Duani. Um, <clears throat> I was significantly impacted by Andreas and, um, and a guy by the name of Ben Brown who worked very closely with Andreas and 
ran a company or was involved in an organization called Placemakers. They went into communities helping with zoning regulations and whatever to encourage mixed-use development. You hear me talk about mixed-use all the time where you may have residential up above and then commercial below could be a restaurant or whatever. You're seeing mixed-use community or mixed-use developments crop up all across coastal Mississippi from Bay St. Louis to Pas- uh, to, uh, to Pascagoula. And uh, you've got some pretty significant ones that are that are in the works. One in, one in Gupport, for example. There are some in Biloxi that are being talked about. But this is all in an effort to bring back that feel that, that Andreas was talking about where there's life downtown again, where people can live, work, and play in a kind of a similar area. And I would say that the pandemic and uh, remote work and all that goes along with that has sort of brought this conversation back to, to back to the fold. But what is behind it all, though, is this need to sort of resurrect the, the historic implications of building and architecture. And in the case of coastal Mississippi, that is, um, that's one of the tragedies of, of Katrina, that it wiped away so much history. So the history that's left, it's so important that we, uh, that we keep it and we restore it and we, and we honor it and, and that we learn from it. You know, as John Andreas said, some, there was this metamorphosis that occurred along the way and it wasn't ever intended to be what it became, sprawl. But there's certainly an effort today to bring, to resurrect uh, life in our downtowns where people live downtown. And as I often say, live, work, and play in a similar area. But with all that said, I was really thrilled uh, to invite Bill Raymond, who's the executive planner and historical administrator for the city of Biloxi and the Biloxi Visitor Center, to join me here on Coast View. Actually, he's a recent winner of a One Coast Award. Um, and certainly, I'll honor him for that because one of the one of the people, you know, if I had to, when we started that at the Sun Herald, the 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 what has become the One Coast Awards, you know, we had pictures of Bill, like people like Bill in mind, people who are working so hard to try to keep, you know, what's so great about our cities intact. And uh, so, anyway, without any further ado, let me just welcome Bill to Coast View. How you doing, Bill Raymond? I'm great, and thank you for having me today. Good. Are you, uh, so uh, for the for the YouTube and Facebook audience, I'm assuming that you're sitting in your office at the city. Yes, and it, it always looks like this, so I can't make any excuses. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you've got a you've got a lot going on. You've you've really got a cool you've got a cool uh, background. You've seen you've been in the city for for over 20 years. You've uh, you've had the opportunity to work in other places, but but before we before we kind of unwrap all that, give us a sense of what it is you do in your current role these days. Well, as the historic administrator for Biloxi, I help manage our six historic districts, which we have most of East Biloxi, and then we also have a historic district in West Biloxi, which is the Edgewater Park subdivision, which was one of the first subdivisions in Biloxi. Um, so we, I work with property owners, homeowners every day, helping them to be able to restore and to save and to keep that special features of their neighborhood intact so that they be, will remain the wonderful places to work and live. Um, in addition to that, I also run the Bluxy Visitor Center, which yeah. we, you know, we, we play host to about 150,000 people a year through this visitor center. Plus, wow. it's a facility where we rent for local events. When we built this place, and it's about 25,000 square feet, we wanted not only to be a visitor center, but we wanted to be a center for the community so that the locals had a buy-in here also. So that's why we created this space that you could rent out for weddings and parties and events. And people have really responded really well to that. 
Yeah, and I know we, what, we actually had the recep reception for one of my kids there at the, at the visitor center, and it was just terrific. What a great space. Yeah, and we also have an exhibit here where we can tell the story of Biloxi and the coast along with the story of its people. So we're not only fit, you know, the dates and the times and the people, whatever. We're also telling the story of the Croatians and the French and all of the different people, the African-Americans, and how they came together to make this community what it is today. Yeah, Biloxi is a melting pot. I mean, truly a melting pot. And it's such a rich history with so many different dynamics that that are involved in it. And I, I love telling that story. You know, you heard how I started the, the show talking about some of what I learned from Andreas Duani and the influences he had on so many of us after Hurricane Katrina. But, but he's right that serendipity, you know, just serendipity without good codes and zoning in place can really – kind of just remake a city to something you don't want it to be, that this sense of place that we all know as it relates to Biloxi is often preserved in complex zoning and building requirements. It's not sexy, but it's the key to success, isn't it? It is. Now, and we look, go back to the 70s, and you can see where the codes and the way the codes are written, they really did promote that sprawl and all of these big, huge parking lots and parking requirements. And, you know, and it just really made what we, we all came to know, oh, we don't like that. So as the 90s, 2000s, Katrina come along, and we start looking at that, new urbanism became more... Um, really became the standard across the country. Now, was there some pushback against that? Oh, yeah. You know, there was traditional people that had been working in the 70s and 80s, and, you know, that model always worked for them. So I think it was great that it gave us an opportunity to go back and say, well, maybe we're, what we're doing wasn't working, right? Let's try something else. And we have. And I think you can see the fruit of that now with much as you talked earlier about mixed use. And I think that that's really been the success for a lot of communities around the state. Now, I can see a lot of success on the coast. Look at what's going on in Pascagoula right now. There is a ton of housing under in Biloxi. We have, um, who would ever thought the old Borden's milk plant that became Josette's would now be 26 apartments that are becoming online in the next two months. I mean, it's exciting to see. And if we go back pre-Katrina, the code probably wouldn't have let us do any of that. No, it, it wouldn't. It was interesting. Um, Andreas preached this so much. Um, it was hard, I think, in the and it was hard in the aftermath of Katrina because there was so much pain and misery and emotional distress. It's hard to think about um, transformative ideas in the midst of all that because what people really wanted to get back was what they lost, and that's really kind of all they could think about. I totally got that. It's taken time to kind of adopt some of this thinking. But look, when we come back, Bill, we're going to continue this conversation and just talk about what it takes to sort of preserve the sense of place and the opportunities for, for Biloxi going forward in this space. We'll see you after this break. Coast View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. 
This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have Bill Raymond, the Executive Planner and Historical Administrator for the City of Biloxi. He also has oversight over the Biloxi Visitor Center. When we went to break, we were just talking about the evolution of architecture and planning that has occurred over the last 20 or so years, especially since Hurricane Katrina. Communities are really embracing this whole notion of mixed use and historic preservation. And uh, there's one particular example as it relates to the Sweatman House we'll come to in just a second. This is a great example of how when you rally, you can you can save historic structures, which, man, after Katrina was such an important thing. And so much history was lost all across coast of Mississippi by that storm. Hey, Bill, one of the one of the conversations that I will never forget is that Andreas Duani, after the storm, was so concerned with what FEMA's requirements were going to do, was going to do to places like the Point of Biloxi by having to raise the houses. And the truth is, what has played out in the in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina was exactly what he expected. That a lot of people would not be able to build back. The ones that would build back would be on stilts uh, because of that because people wouldn't have neighbors that weren't able to build back and even if they had neighbors it would change the relationship with neighbors because you know you just couldn't walk out on your front porch the way that it was and he, he cited that in places like west um, uh, key west they built a lot of cinder block homes and when for example wilma went through most a lot you know 70 percent of key west was underwater most people don't even know that people just you know they washed out their houses and cleaned things up and, and moved on um, I think that's an area where I, I know that when you look at the, the the thing that FEMA cited was insurance claims that when houses are built up, there are less claims and they're trying to protect the insurance program. I get all of that. But there has to be a factor in there about saving the community. Uh, the point never reemerged uh, back to the, the community it was after Katrina. And that was really a shame, wasn't it? Oh, it definitely was. I mean, that, that whole sense of community is gone, and I don't know that it could ever be brought back. Um, and the thing is, and I'm not, not sure how Key West gets away with it, if we allow people to build back the way they were and say, okay, we're just going to forego insurance on these houses, that means that everybody in the city would be without Right, exactly. We would, no, they would have to... It would require a different kind of thinking, and I don't know that that's possible, to be honest with you, especially these days now that we're in this big discussion about the national insurance program making that more viable financially and so on. But it is a shame, the impact that Katrina had. And because Katrina hit here and not somewhere else, we are the ones who get stuck with the largest storm surge in American history, which, as a result of that, unfortunately, meant that that the uh, that the the ABFE requirements essentially where the where the height of your house has to be relative to future potential storms or relative to the sea level is much higher than a lot of other communities. So, in a way, we kind of got punished, but at the same time, our future claims are going to be down as a result of it, won't it, Bill? Yeah, it definitely. And that's that's the whole idea is saving property and saving lives. And I understand that. It just, you know, when you look, especially somebody that works in historic preservation and you're looking at a structure that may be two feet off the ground. And so the next next door neighbor has to rebuild. They're going to be eight feet off the ground. Yeah. It's just hard to make that sense of community and that connection of between buildings. It uh, is. Tough, it yeah. is. It's very difficult. Hey, so come back to the Sweatman House. Uh, 
Uh, Travis Sweatman had a challenge. In fact, he stayed at his house to a key point in the storm and was able to get out just in time. But he lives on the beach in Biloxi in a very important house and uh, had some very significant damage to it. And it looked like it was going to have to be you know, taken down. What was the thing that saved that? Actually, um, Marcia and... Um and Chavez could not decide what to do. The house was leaning forward. It looked like he could fall down at any minute now. But um, there was a engineer from Texas was actually in town working with the Mississippi Department of Archives and History and the Mississippi Heritage Trust. And I said to him, said, would you mind what he was working in the area? So would you mind walking down the street? There's the yellow house that's leaning forward. The lady that owns it is probably in the front yard because every day I went by, Marcia was in the front yard. I said, would you go and talk to them and just see what you think? And he got went over there and all and he what all he said to him was, you can save this house. I can we can share it up right here. We can put um, supports on it right here and then get a house mover to get it back on a foundation and we can save it. And that's all it took. It just that one person coming to them and saying, we, you can do this. You can make this happen. And they were able to save an important piece of Biloxi's history. And when you were looking at it, before the storm, we had about 165 locally designated landmarks. We were down in the low 90s after the storm. So that's 75 or so landmarks that we lost during the hurricane. So any win that we could get was exciting. And that was probably the most important win that we were able to get. Well, that know, is our house. Yeah, going back to as far back as Camille, <clears throat> you look at uh, homes that survived uh, Camille, did not, uh, uh, did not survive Katrina and places like Pass Christian and Bay St. Louis, you know, homes that survived Camille did not survive Katrina. One of the things that Andreas said in one of his early speeches was if you have a column still standing, preserve it, find a way to bring it back. You know, you know, easier said than done because what we face, as you well know, is a lot of homes that were that were underinsured and homes that have been passed down through generations and therefore it made it really difficult for the current owner. Now, they never really understood that they were incredibly underinsured, and that that is what ultimately led to a series of um, of blank spaces all along the shoreline of Biloxi. But it's good to see finally we're seeing building come back and and life come back to the city in some of those more vulnerable areas. But it's taken a while, hasn't it, Bill? Oh yeah, we're um, what sixteen years down the road, and we really—it's only been the to me in the last five years that you really saw a boost in construction on the front beach. You know, we just did, it wasn't happening. And there was a lot of reasons. It was the height, it's the cost of insurance. Um, there were a lot of different reasons, but I'm glad that some of those barriers are mitigating and people are being able to move forward. And I know of three other houses that are getting ready to start on the front beach. I mean, I was alone here on this block for the um, at the visitor center for a long time, and now somebody's rebuilding on the Brazier's property. So it's exciting to see. Uh, you started, uh, uh, maybe you didn't start your career, but it seems to me it was very early in your career. You spent a couple of years in Greenville, Mississippi, in the Main Street program. So you've always sort of been in this space. Did it appeal to you? Did you just, what is it that caused you to stay in this space your whole career? I believe in... You know, 
I want to feel at home wherever I live and I want to know what's unique about it. And, um, you know, I look around Biloxi and there's so many wonderful places. So many, the, just the view. I mean, go to the top of the lighthouse at sunset and watch that sun going out or in the morning. I've been there many morning at five o'clock when the sun's coming over six o'clock when the sun's coming up. You, you don't want to go anywhere else. It is just, you're not going to get that view. You're not going to get that feel anywhere else in the world. And so that's why I love Biloxi. And that's why I'm so passionate about saving what is, I think, unique and special about this city. I don't want it to become anywhere USA. I want it to be Biloxi and always be Biloxi and have that unique flavor and feel. Yeah, I talk about it on Coast View all the time that we are, Coast of Mississippi is unique. I mean, it's a region that shares a lot of common interests for sure. Mm -hmm. But what makes it so special, what is probably one of the reasons why people come here from all over the United States and love it here and keep coming back is because we're a collection of communities, each with its own unique sense of place. And you can get on Highway 90 and go from, you know, Waveland all the way over to, to um, uh, past Christian and, and, and Moss Point and take it all in. And it's unique. Each has its own unique sense of place. Biloxi certainly is that. It takes a lot of work, though, doesn't it? I mean, you, you just, this does not happen by happenstance. You have to be thoughtful. You have to have strategic plans. You have to have commitment from leadership. Um, but it is attainable with a lot of hard work, isn't it? It, it definitely is. And, you know, we, when I have a partner in crime, and that's the um, Architectural and Historical Review Commission. So anything that happened in these local districts really is going before them, and they're my backup. And they're the ones that make sure it happens, and Biloxi keeps this unique um, feel. Now, do we make people mad because we tell them, no, they can't do anything? Yeah, all the time. But we also make people, you know, I had a man complain the other day that he had to come before the commission um, for, for a particular issue. And by the end of the conversation, he was saying, well, I'm so glad that we have to do this because I bought in this neighborhood because it is such a wonderful neighborhood. And by going through the commission and regulating what they do, it really is going to maintain that wonderful neighborhood look and feel that the reason I fell in love when we moved here. Yeah, you have to be willing to say no. You just have to be willing to say no. A great example of that actually is Madison, Mississippi, because in the early days, the mayor of Madison understood that if Walmart wants to come to town, I, I'm going to be glad to have them, but they're going to they're going to do things that we want them to do so that, that what's built in this great city is in keeping with the kind of Madison we want it to be in the future. And all of the coast cities are beginning to do that really well these days. But Bill Raymond, we're out of time, but look, I'm going to have you back. We should be talking more often about the, the various things that are going on in the city. We appreciate the work that you're doing in your, in your sphere of influence because it's super important. And congratulations on getting a One Coast Award. Thanks, Ricky. And you keep it up. I love the fact that you're telling the whole state of Mississippi about the coast and what we are doing down here and how wonderful it is. You bet, Bill. Take care, man. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.